So I remember growing up, going to my grandmother's house. She lived in Orlando, Florida, just outside of Orlando. She had this big backyard, and she had this pool, and she had this table. And as kids, we would always sit at that table, and we would hear stories about how when her kids, my dad and his siblings, were, were younger, they would also sit at that same table close to that same pool. And so it had been in the family for a really, really long time. And over time, the heat and the humidity outside in Florida sort of broke it down and wore it down. And when my grandmother passed away, we were asked if we wanted that table. And we said, of course, we want it. And so it made its way to Houston, and we wanted to get to a place where we could use it. And so we went through this process of restoring this old piece of furniture. I don't know if you've ever done that, if you've taken a dresser or a table or something and repainted it, had it redone. But we did that with this table, and it took a lot of work. Uh, it took some people that were a little bit more skilled at it than Chelsea and I to actually do a lot of the work, but we watched them, and they, they took away the old layers. They took away the, the things that didn't need to be there anymore. They repaired and replaced a lot of the damaged parts, and, and they continued to scrape away, and then they put some new life into it and got it to a place where it was fully restored. And now this old table that had been in our family for, for a long, long time is new again. It's good again. And it's in our dining room table or in our dining room. And it provides a, a place for our family to gather and experience incredible moments of joy. And as I think about that table, right, what it is for me is a great picture of what can and should happen in our hearts and in our lives as well, right? This sense of new life, this sense of, of restoration is possible for each and every one of us. And we see a great picture of that in Nehemiah this morning. So if you've got a Bible, I want to encourage you to open up to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. Kids, if you've got those clipboards out there, you can start taking notes and send it into Miss Alley. It's a great place for us to start. As you're opening your Bibles, just remember the context. The wall is done. It's built. Nehemiah had put it in, or God had put it in Nehemiah's heart, and he's ready now, or he's finished now, what God has called him to do. The wall is complete. It's done, and the Word of God is about to be made prominent in the city among the people of God. So hopefully we can see that it wasn't just about building a wall, right? It, it wasn't just about bricks. It wasn't just about, about encircling the city. What it was is about creating a space where the word of God could be made prominent. They were working to create a space where the word of God could be a priority among the people of God. And as I thought about just that fact alone, it made me think about my family. It made me think about our house to think, okay, are my kids growing up in a home where it's obvious that the word of God is prominent, where it's obvious that the word of God is a priority to us and to our family, or is it just another thing? And it made me think about it more, man, my friend group, my life group, our, our church family, are we creating a space where the Word of God is prominent and a priority among us? We see that in God's Word. There's been progress in restoring the city, the temple is built, the walls are up, and now we're going to see an incredible amount of progress as God works to restore hearts back to Him. And here's my prayer this morning, no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been work, walking with Jesus or where you're at in your relationship with him, my prayer is that God would use these verses this morning to draw all of us closer and deeper in a love relationship with him. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1, God's word says this, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. 
So for this restoration to happen, the very first thing that we see in God's word this morning is this, is the church must commit to the word of God. The church must commit to the word of God. And please don't think this is another sermon that's just saying, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. It is sort of that, but it's a little bit more than that as well, right? The wall's complete, the celebration has begun, and what happened is that God was stirring in the hearts of his people, Right? God was instilling this fire, this passion for the word of God, and they called for it and asked for the word to come out. And when we think about what it actually is, man, I hope that we are overwhelmed with the goodness of God. It, it is a miracle that we have God's word and access to it the way that we do. And we live in a time in the history of the world and a location in the history of the world where we have more access than anyone ever has. I've got an app on my phone that, that has the Bible on it. Some of you guys probably have it as well, the Gideon Bible app. You know how many languages I have the Bible in my phone right here, right now? Not on the internet, not to go search for it. There's like 28 languages, the Bible on my phone. I could go to any part of the world and probably hand my phone with God's Word on it to someone. That is a treasure to us. As you continue to read Ezra, Nehemiah chapter 8, you see Ezra has people that are helping him read the Word of God. And they're not helping him like say it out loud at this point. He can read. He's got a voice. He can do that. They were literally helping him carry the Word of God around. It's on big scrolls and bulky scrolls and more than one scroll. And he was having trouble handling it. He couldn't do it by himself. We've got it all right here. Or we've got it all right here. Easily accessible to us. It's a treasure to us. We can't live like we don't have it. We can't leave it on the bookshelf. We can't leave it on the nightstand. The Word of God has got to be active in our lives. The people in Nehemiah 8 understood God's Word, the Bible, for the treasure that it was. And what did they do? They called out for it. God's people love God's Word. So the people asked for the Word, and Ezra brought it out, and Ezra began to read to it. Kids, if you're taking notes on that clipboard, Ezra is the one that read the Word of God to the people. Look at verse 2. It says, so on this first day of the seventh month, Ezra, there's your answer, guys, the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men, let's keep a list here, and women, and all who were able to to understand. Kids, that's you. Men and women and children are there for the reading. And in uh, verse 3 it says, and he read it aloud from daybreak until noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of men and women and others who could understand the kids. And all the people listened attentively to the word of God. Right? Men and women and children were there. A great reminder that our kids can understand the Word of God. Our kids can read the Word of God. Our kids can lock in and process the truth of Scripture that God has given to each one of us. So kids, this is not just for mom and dad. It's not just for older siblings. This is for you as well. We see right here all the generations together worshiping God and looking into the word. So pay attention. Take notes. Tell your moms and dads the things that you're learning and the ways that God's speaking his truth to you. And moms and dads, thank you if you're at home watching online, getting your kids locked in. If you're in here with your kids, follow along and taking notes and writing. What you're doing is a good, good thing. It might be out of the, the norm. There might be a few more wiggles and, and drops of crowns and Legos and markers and drinks and snacks. We, we, we go through it as well, right? But it is a good 
thing. It, it honors God, and it builds this incredible foundation in the life of your kids where they can grow spiritually and build on it for the rest of their lives. Them being together with the church family is a profound impact on their life. Them seeing mom and dad and the priority that mom and dad are placing on the word of God will change them in a powerful way forever. Let's make sure that our kids know, love, and understand the word of God. Let's do what we see here and let's commit to the word. They asked for it. It was brought out and they began to listen. And if you look at the end of verse 3, I want you to notice something very specific about how they listened. I'll give you a second to find it. How did they listen at the end of verse 3? Attentively. It says they listened to the word of God attentively. They honored God by how they paid attention to his word. They honored God by the attention that was given to his word as it was taught. And that was a great reminder for, for me and hopefully for us that we can stay locked into the word of God. A couple years ago, I was preaching at our Champions Campus, and I got to the, the part where we were going to open the Bible together, and I asked everybody to get their Bibles out, and a guy just sitting right over here pulls his phone out, and he holds it up in front of his face. And I thought nothing of it, because that's what a lot of people do, right? They, they read God's Word off their phone. They just take it with them. I just showed you that we've got it in all those different languages, and I assumed that's what was happening. And so we continue to teach, and we're walking through it, and a few minutes later, I look, and he's still got it up. And I was thinking, man, this guy is locked in. I love it. Right? He's looking at it. He's thinking about what I'm saying. And he's comparing it to what God's word has to say. This is so amazing. And then I keep going. And it's been like 15 minutes. And I looked. And I realized he hasn't blinked. And he hasn't pulled it down. And then it dawned on me. You know what Sunday it was? Master's Sunday. And the Masters Golf Tournament has an app where you can watch the golf tournament on your phone. And I figured that joker is watching the golf tournament on his phone in the middle of the service. And I looked, and there were a few guys behind him peeking over his shoulder as well, trying to, uh, to catch the tournament. And after the service, I walked down front, and we were sh shaking hands and saying hi to people. And he walked up, and he said, hey, how's it going? And we talked for a second. And then I said, hey, who's winning the Masters right now? And he immediately said the name of the guy that it was winning. And, and as it was coming out of his mouth, he realized, Oh, I'm busted. I just hold on myself. What he didn't realize is we, the lights are bright, but we can still see everything um, that, that's going on on here. And I didn't give him a hard time because I've been exactly where he was, right? We've all been guilty of being distracted when the word of God is before us. And it was a reminder for me as I read and I saw how the people of God attentively listened to it to lock in, to, to pay attention, to take notes, to think about what I'm reading, to think about what I'm seeing as I see things and as I read things, to ask questions throughout God's Word. And I would encourage you to do that as well. Things like, who is this person? What did they do? Where did they come from? Where else do we see them in God's Word? Who was this written for? Who was this written to? I have no idea what that means. Let me go and find out. And as we do, as we pay attention to it, as we process it, that's good because at the end of the day, our goal is not just to hear it. Our goal is not just to see it or to, to check it off our list at some point in the day. Our goal is to seek to understand the word of God. And that's what happens in Nehemiah chapter 8. And as they understood it, it was a catalyst. It was the, the kickstart right, for God to work in a major way. So if you want God to work in your life, if, if you want that spiritual renewal, that restoration, if you want spiritual growth on a regular basis in your life, I would encourage you to commit to the word of God. 
whether it's in here, whether it's a Wednesday night service or your life group or your friend group, or, or when you're reading God's Word day by day on a regular basis, commit to the Word of God. You can actually go to championforce.org slash devos, click subscribe. We're starting a new devotional series tomorrow, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We'd love for you to commit to reading God's Word with us on a regular basis. The people here committed to it, and what happened? People blessed the Lord. They worshiped the Lord. They praised the Lord together. They weren't worshiping the Bible, right? They were worshiping God because the Bible reveals God to us. And as they heard it and continued to hear it, they, they go from this place of worship to look at verse 9. They enter into this, this time of, of weeping, of mourning, right? I want you to think about why you think that was, that they're crying now, not happy tears, not joyful tears, but sorrowful tears right in the middle of it. The temple's up, the walls are built, their enemies are out, and now they're crying. Here's what happened. They realized, as they read the Word of God, that they had not been faithful to what God had called them to. They had not been living in a way that was in accordance with God's Word. Listen, the, the Word of God is, is a catalyst for repentance as well. Yeah, it brings us to a place of worship, but it also brings us to a place of repentance and life change where we might see things that are going on in our life and how they don't line up with the Word of God. And, and what they did here and what we need to do as well is ask God's forgiveness and turn away from those things, from anything that's not honoring to God and latch on to God and God alone. You see, their hearts were soft as they came before the, Lord, the, the Word of God. Their hearts were ready to be molded and shaped and changed and God used His Word to restore them. And I want to make sure that, that we understand what happens here because this is critical. And I think that sometimes we teach it wrong. And I think that sometimes we maybe misunderstand what's going on in our own lives when this happens. But in verses 9 through 12, we're reminded four times that guilt and that shame have no place in the life of a child of God. Right, their encounter with the Word of God, yeah, it made them weep and mourn. It brought them to this place of repentance. But when they repented and turned to God, what happened? They began to live in joy. And the priest and the scribes, Ezra, who was there, reminded them many times in this short section of verses that that repentance leads to Christ, which leads to God, which leads to a place of joy. And I love verse 10, if you look down at it. It says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We've made that into a song that we sing in worship. That, that comes from Ezra chapter 8. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And I want you to think about what made the switch flip. Right, they go from weeping and mourning. Now they're filled with joy and, and they're about to leave and they're going to go to their homes and they're going to eat and they're going to drink and they're going to celebrate with worshipful and joyful hearts. Why? because they got to a place where they understood the Word of God. They weren't just hearing it, they were understanding it, and understanding changes everything. We were on a mission trip several years ago with a group of students down in Mexico. Miori, I don't know if you were on that trip or not, but we're down in Mexico, and we had this one afternoon where we're, we're walking through the town, and we were supposed to have interpreters with us, and in that specific engagement, we didn't have any interpreters with us. And so we would go up to doors, and we would knock, and people would open their doors, and we would start to talk to them, and we would realize we don't speak Spanish, and they don't speak English, and so we're just sort of standing here, and we're stuck. And, and we got frustrated, and we didn't understand one another, and, and we would just walk away, right? Because they 
they would shut the door on us because we didn't speak the same language, right? So we just sort of walk away, and, and we were frustrated because there was no understanding. And after a, a long time of this, I noticed one of our students, an eighth grade kid named Chris, was sitting on the side of this little sidewalk, and he was talking to a couple of kids from the neighborhood in Spanish, fluently. And I looked at him, and I said, Chris, are you kidding me right now? You speak Spanish? And he said, yeah. I said, why didn't you tell us, man? We could have used that all day. And he said, like any eighth grade boy would, well, you never asked. And I said, okay, let's make it official. Do you speak Spanish? And he said, I do. And I said, all right, we're going to start over. But Chris, you're going to come to the front door with me so you can talk to these families. And here's the thing. We did it again, and the families sent their kids out into the community with us. And we had an incredible time. And Chris was able to be the one to share the gospel and to connect with these people. And all of a sudden, there was understanding, right? We could understand one another. You know what that understanding translated to? A relationship. Right? Understanding leads to relationships, and it's the same thing here. When we understand the Word of God, it's not a list of rules, right? It's, it's not a list of regulations. When we understand what the Word of God is, the treasure that it is for us, how God reveals His plan so we can know Him, what happens? And we're able to step into a relationship with him. That's what happens in, in Nehemiah 8. They get it and they realize the relationship that they can have with God. And so how could the result not be joy, right? We have to seek to understand the Word of God. Take the time, ask the questions, and, and experience the joy that comes from a relationship with Jesus. Commit to the Word of God. Their commitment to the Word of God is what started all of this. It's what started all of these things happening in chapters 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12, committing to the Word. And as they committed to the Word, something else happened. They began to remember their history. They remembered who they were as a people and how God had been faithful to them over time. Because, see, here was their pattern. Going all the way back to, to creation and forward to, to the conquest, to the judges, and to the exile. All of the history of the people of Israel, there's this cycle where they, they would walk with God, be blessed by God. Then they would sin and turn their back on God. But God would remain faithful and merciful, and he would bring them back into a relationship with him over and over and over throughout God's word. And, and they understood that, and they realized that. And so they cried out to God in chapter 9, flip over one chapter and look down. At verse 31, they cried out to God and said this, Nevertheless, in your great mercy, you did not make an end of them or forsake them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. They thought about their history. They remembered their disobedience. They remembered their sin. They remembered their failure, but they didn't dwell on that. What did they dwell on? In the midst of all their shortcomings, they dwelt on the mercy and the goodness of God. As we read our Bibles, we can see that God loves us. We can see all that he has done for us. And, and right here we see that their commitment to the word enabled them to remember and realize the mercy, the faithfulness, and the love of God, which led them to take this next step of, of heart restoration, of God doing a work deep down in their souls, and that's this. It brought them to a place where they committed to God. For restoration to happen in our lives. The two things that we see in these chapters this morning is a commitment to God and a commitment to the Word of God. Look at chapter 9, verse 38. It says, Because of this, because of the mercy of God, because of the love of God, the faithfulness and the way that He has worked, because of this, we make a firm covenant in writing. 
on the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. They wrote it out. They sealed it. They signed it, committing to live in a way that honors and pleases God. We're not going to do that this morning and get out papers and, and all seal it and sign it together. But when we bring that truth or that example forward, right, into where we live and here 2020 and Houston, Texas, we see that a clear commitment to God is important for you and for me. And I think that that takes shape in, in two main ways in our lives. And the first is this, a commitment to God by trusting in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We, we see that in, in God's Word. When we become a, a Christian or a follower of Jesus, it's that moment in time we understand, right? Understanding leads to relationship where we understand the Word of God. We understand the love of God, and, and we realize that our sin has separated us from a holy and loving God, but He loved us enough to send Jesus. And when we trust in Jesus, when we commit our lives to Jesus, the Bible says we're forgiven of that sin and we're brought into an eternity-changing relationship with God, with the hope of heaven and eternal life. Here's a homework assignment for you guys. Kids, if you're taking notes, here's a homework assignment. You're, I want you to give your mom and dad some homework, and maybe you can participate in this as well. I want you to go home today and talk about when it was you committed to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you understood what it meant to be in a relationship with him, and you stepped into that relationship for the first time. I was 13 years old when I trusted in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I know a lot of you, and I know a lot of your stories and when that was, but I want you to share that with your family and let that commitment to Christ be something that we talk about in our homes this afternoon. And if you're in here and you would say, you know what, I have not yet done that, or I'm just now starting to understand what God's Word means and what it says, I, I hope that you'll write down on your paper today. Today is when I trusted in Jesus. And we're going to give you a chance at the end of our time together to do just that. Right? God's Word teaches us to commit to Him. And when we do that and become a follower of Christ, we see all throughout the New Testament, Jesus says it. We see it in Romans as well, that when we make that commitment to God, nothing can separate us from the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus. But I think that as followers of Jesus, we also know this. There will be seasons or times in our life where we struggle. Seasons or time in our life where sin uh, jumps up and distracts us or pulls us off course or off mission. That, that's what happened to the people of God here in Nehemiah 8 and 9. And, and so they repented from that and said, God, we're going to leave this behind and we're going to turn and lock on to you. So the second way that, that we might need to or could commit our lives to Jesus is by recommitting or rededicating our lives to Christ. We see it here. They realized that they were children of God, not walking with God, and so they turned and began to walk with him again. And as they did, what did God do? He forgave them. He restored their hearts. He welcomed them home back into that love relationship with him. So if you're confident this morning in your salvation and your relationship with Christ, and as you read and understand God's word more, or maybe just as you're honest with yourself, you would say, you know what? I have not been walking in a way that honors the Lord. I have not been walking the way that God has called me to walk. Your action step this morning, the way that, that you would commit to Christ is to say, Jesus, I'm leaving all that behind, that I'm committed to walking forward with you just like I see your people doing in the book of Nehemiah. Let's make sure that all of us, no matter who we are, are walking with Jesus, committed to God 
this morning. Maybe trusting in Jesus today and becoming a Christian, a follower of Christ. Maybe repenting of things that are in your life, greed or or selfishness or lust or anger or whatever it is. Maybe saying, God, I'm leaving that behind this morning and I'm going to recommit to walk with you the way that you've called me to. Or maybe this morning you would say, you know what, I, I am committed. I am walking with Christ. Let me encourage you to day by day recommit, allow him to restore your soul. Keep going and keep growing because God's word is clear, right? There's a definite model here that all of us should be committed to him. And as we think about that, here's another question that pops up. Who was it in Nehemiah that committed to God? Flip your your Bible one more page. Look at chapter 10. They list the names. They list the, the heads of families, the leaders of the people. And it says this phrase again, all who were able to understand participated in this. This is not just a thing where you have to be a grown-up to commit to God and to follow God. Kids that can understand God's Word can also commit to God and to walking forward with Him. And we see that right here. So I want you to think about what this is. A group of people who love God, who are committed to God, who love one another, are all of a sudden committed to walking forward together serving Jesus. What does that sound like? A group of people committed to following God together. Hopefully you're thinking about our church family, right? A group of people committed to following after God together. It happens, and we can continue to read about it in Nehemiah 11 and 12, where the people of God, ordinary people just like me and just like you, lived with their hearts committed to God lived with hearts committed to the Word of God. And we see as we continue to read, they weren't perfect, but they were driven by the mercy, love, and faithfulness of God. And they wanted to live their lives in a way that reflected that. And here's the result. I love how this section of of heart restoration ends. It's an absolutely perfect verse. Flip over one more chapter to chapter 12 and look at verse 43. It says this, And they, that's the people of God, offered great sacrifices that day, and they rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with what? Great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. And the joy of Jerusalem, I love this, the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. The people of God lived with the joy of God, and other people saw it in them. And the same should be true of us. That should happen. When people walk in here, they should experience the joy of God because we're a family. We're a community of people committed to God, committed to the the word of God. And when that happens in our life, the result of it naturally is joy. And when people come in, they're going to notice that joy. When we leave here and go into our neighborhoods or to our friends or to our workplace or to our teams or wherever it is God sent us, that joy comes with us as well. And when people notice that, What are they pointed to? They're pointed towards God in an absolutely incredible way. And when they see that and notice that, they'll want to commit their lives to Jesus as well. Heart restoration, right? That's what we see in this this section of Scripture where God takes us and and pulls us us in and, and removes the things from our lives that need to go and brings us back into a place where we're committed to the Word of God committed to God himself and the natural result in our hearts and lives is joy. So as we leave here today, here's my prayer. 
is that we wouldn't leave responding to the Word of God by saying, hey, okay, I got it, and, and then never thinking about it again. My prayer is that we would leave here committed to the Word of God, making it a priority in our homes and our lives, putting it in a prominent place, and that we would leave here committed to God, either by trusting in Him today, rededicating our lives today, or committing to continue walking forward in relationship with Him. Would you pray with me? I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and think about what God would have you do, how God would have you respond to his word this morning. And, and for those of you maybe that wrote down today on your paper who know that, that you need this morning to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to become a Christian, a follower of Christ. I want to invite you right when we're done, when we dismiss, after this last video up by our baptistry, there's a cross right there. I want to encourage you to, to just make your way there and pray with someone and say, I'm ready to commit to Jesus. If you're watching online this morning, there's going to be a number they place on your screen. just want to encourage you to text your name into that number, and we'll know that, that someone needs to call you to encourage you and to show you what it means to commit your life as a follower of Christ. All right, wherever we're at in our journey, let's make sure we're committed to Christ by placing our faith and trust in Him, by removing things that don't bring Him honor and glory from our life, or by committing to continue growing in the relationship that we're in. God, we love you and we trust you. We thank you for your incredible love for us. We thank you for your word and God, just the clarity that's in it. God, I pray that you would help us to understand it every time we read it. And God, as we leave here today, I pray that we would be committed to your word, to understanding it because we know that leads to a relationship with you. And I pray that we'd also be committed to you, to doing what you've called us to do. And God, I, I just pray that we would see that fruit in our lives, the result of that being exactly what we see right here, joy, joy that comes from walking with you. We love you and we trust you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray, amen.